I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, June 29, 2021. Coming up, we talk about the Pentagon's new UFO report with the director of CU Boulder Center for the Study of Origins, Carol Cleland. We don't want to, every time something weird comes up that we have trouble explaining, dump our theories. But there comes a point, and I think that the current Pentagon report has reached that point, where the phenomena are worth investigating with a much more open mind. heard of the Pentagon's new report about UAPs, also known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. UAP is the Pentagon's new word for UFOs. The nine-page report acknowledges in the last 20 years, the Pentagon has tallied over 140 incidents which look sort of like, well, the Pentagon does not know. Most reports came from military pilots whose instruments measured an object moving faster than we can make things move. The report does not rule out alien spaceships. It also doesn't rule out some strange weather pattern that we don't know how to measure or monitor. To learn more about the Pentagon report, up next we'll hear from the director of CU Boulder Center for the Study of Origins, Carol Cleland. We did this interview over the weekend at Cleland's Kitchen Table. The first question was, how does being a philosopher and a scientist help someone explore the strange world of UFOs? Here's Carol Cleland. First of all, I'm really not a scientist. I'm a philosopher. I'm a philosopher who has an extensive background in science. I have uh, studied science extensively as an undergraduate. I have the equivalent of a degree, except for the lab courses in physics. I have extensive geology courses. And I publish with scientists in major science journals. But that doesn't make me a scientist. My graduate work was in philosophy, and my undergraduate degree is in mathematics. So I would deny that I'm a scientist. And yet you've worked with SETI. Now, SETI stands for? The Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. That sounds kind of sciencey to me. Well, it should be less sciencey than it actually is. There are a lot of people at SETI who are social scientists, for example. I'm an affiliate. I'm actually not paid by SETI. They talk to you and they consult with you because in the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, they think you might have something to offer. Well, they're very interested in the origin of life, and so my main reason for being affiliated with them is through my work on the origin of life and its extent in the universe, not really through any work I've done at extraterrestrial intelligence. They used to be more focused just on intelligent life, but they broadened their scope, and they're interested in planetary science too. You know, what are the conditions under which terrestrial planets emerge, and what conditions on terrestrial planets give rise to life? That's the kind of question they've been asking. If I recall reading about your own childhood, you used to look at the night sky and wonder if you were seeing any aliens. Unfortunately, I never saw anything. That's the disappointing thing. What I did was I kept a scrapbook of UFO sightings that I got from magazines and newspapers. Uh, You didn't have the web in those days, of course. I'm too old for that. When I was a kid in Phoenix, I used to clamber up onto the roof and look through the binoculars hoping to see a UFO. At that time, there were quite a few UFOs being reported in the Arizona area. I never saw a thing. You know, my uncle, who died recently, had a yearning for seeing UFOs too, and he used to take his kids up on hills. 
and they would look for UFOs. And after he died, his kids said, they're still going to go up on hills at night and look for UFOs. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, my parents weren't so happy. They'd keep yelling at me to get off the roof when they figured out that's where I was. And did you read the recent report about UFOs? I have certainly read it. Can you tell me, as somebody who has not read it, the context of this report? It's the Pentagon. It's the Department of Defense. They're the ones who have basically secreted all of the reports of UFOs to themselves, and most of them have come from military pilots, especially the Navy, which is really intriguing because a lot of those sightings are over water. Is this the point where, if I'm doing this for radio, I should interject some space music that's kind of creepy? No. I might do it anyway. I hope you don't mind. I can do it anyway, but but I I think that the report, first of all, is short. It's very short and doesn't give you many specifics. The notable thing about the report is they're actually saying that there are over 100 cases that they can't explain. In the past, they didn't say this kind of thing. They had, it was very secretive. They didn't release information except to say that they were sure that it was swamp gas or weather balloons. Now they've actually admitted that they can't explain these, and they've released it, and they haven't ruled out the possibility that it's uh, extraterrestrial technology. Well, so Carol Cleland, it's kind of like we're just giving you the facts now. We're not giving you an opinion about what they are. We're just saying that we can't. Exactly. And I think that's appropriate, but I was disappointed to see that they're going to continue to keep the study of these phenomena inside the military. Okay, so there's all kinds of things going on here. The first is that they have started releasing these studies, but they're not commenting on them anymore. They're not saying, oh, don't worry about this. It's probably just swamp gas. They're not saying things like that. It's a little bit like the Queen of England who, if there's a documentary about her or the royal family, or if there's a fiction story written, the royalty's responses, we never comment. We may have opinions about it, but we never comment. Is that kind of what the Pentagon's doing with these reports? It strikes me that that's a good description of what they're doing. What I think is unfortunate is they need to release the details of these cases, which they haven't done. They just say things like they travel at amazing speeds, they stop cold, they move against wind, they stop in the middle of wind. There's a description that's very qualitative of what they're doing. They haven't really released the data. Do you think that that demonstrates that this is intelligent life forms doing this? I don't think we know. At this stage, it could be an atmospheric phenomena that we don't understand that is due to Notice a lot of them are over the ocean due to interactions of the atmosphere and oceans. Keep in mind that tornadoes, people report that tornadoes sometimes follow cars. Now, nobody, I don't think, who's scientist is convinced that's true, but they don't rule it out because it's possible that when a car is moving very rapidly, it creates some sort of condition where the tornado is drawn to, be, you know, where it's moving rapidly, it leaves sort of a, a wind gap behind it. And maybe maybe they do. I don't know the answer to that. But just because it looks like something is intelligent technology doesn't mean it is. And it doesn't mean it isn't. What needs to be done is they need to form, I wish Congress would do this, a civilian group of atmospheric scientists, chemists and physicists, geoscientists who study interactions of the atmosphere and the oceans and the land, and engineers, who particularly theoretical engineers, aeronautical engineers, who kind of think beyond the box about what the difference is between what you call technology, the behavior of technology, and the behavior of natural phenomena. But we just don't know, and this data needs to be handed over to people 
who can pursue it from a non-military, non-secretive perspective. Well, that doesn't sound like you're saying that there isn't anything to this, but on the other hand, you're not saying that this is proof that there's intelligent life that's watching us and contacting us. Exactly. We don't know. We don't know. Have you had other people do interviews with you where they kind of said, what are you talking about? There has to be intelligent life. Well, I think there's probably intelligent life somewhere in the universe, given the billions and billions of stars. But whether this is intelligent life is a completely different question. Have you had people who have interviewed you saying, come on, this is proof already, and we want you to tell us that it is, because that's what you ought to be saying? Not quite as overt, but it was obvious that's what they wanted. What's that like when somebody's telling you how they want you to think? Well, I just simply tell them what I actually do think, and they get frustrated. You recognize the yearning. Oh, yes. I truly wish they were alien technology. And they might be. I hope they are. But I don't know. One other person I know who's with SETI, or used to be, said that her favorite quote about UFOs was from Carl Sagan, who years ago said, of course, there are unidentified flying objects. Until we know what they are, they are unidentified. I think that's exactly right. Then there are sites such as Metabunk. Uh, What do you mean by Metabunk? Metabunk Metabunk.com. An astrophysicist told me about this site where they look at some of the big phenomena, the ones where there's an object that was reported from a jet that seemed to be moving very fast and then suddenly changed direction. And they go through all of these mathematical calculations and physics calculations to say if you're in a moving airplane and you have an object which is being looked at by a camera that's panning toward the object in different ways, then it can make it look like it's moving very fast, moving very slow, changing directions, even if it's holding still, even if it's a weather balloon. I think there's a role for that. What I worry about that particular group is that their whole goal is to prove it's not extraterrestrial intelligence. And I think the question is whether it is or whether it is some kind of bizarre natural phenomenon or maybe our theories. I mean, atmospheres are very complex things. Maybe our applications of physics and chemistry, the atmosphere are defective. There's something wrong about our current laws. They're too idealistic, too general. You mean the laws that Einstein has put together? Einstein's laws, keep in mind, general relativity has a lot of anomalies. And quite frankly, dark energy and dark matter are highly theoretical postulates to salvage general relativity in the face of the Hubble telescope discovery that the galaxies are moving faster away from each other than they should be. They should be moving slower. Since the further we get from the Big Bang, the more they should be slowing down. So there are a lot of anomalies. Any theory in physics has anomalies. I mean, consider Newton's theory. We now know Newton's theory is limited to basically speeds that are traveling at speeds we're familiar with, but not speeds close to light. Newton, he's the guy who said that if an apple breaks off from a tree, it falls to ground because of gravity. But Newton said a lot of other things, too. (laughs) You keep in mind, he got some things right, but there are places, there are always boundaries of theories where they're pushing up against reality and they don't quite mesh, and you don't know it's whether because the conditions that are present aren't clear. For example, in Newton's theory, there were all these problems that Newton couldn't even describe, Newton's theory of gravity, the orbits of the moon, the orbits of a lot of the planets, and especially the orbit of Mercury. He tried very hard. They thought, oh, maybe there's another planet between Mercury and the sun. They even gave it a name, Vulcan. Oh, maybe the sun's mass isn't homogeneous, and it's basically, when it rotates, it's dragging Mercury in this odd way. For many years, they thought it was easy to explain away 
the anomalous orbit of Mercury in terms of Newton's theory, but we now know that's not true. Newton's theory couldn't explain it, and Einstein's theory succeeded, and that was one of the major impetuses for accepting Einstein's general theory of relativity. So it's a mistake to think that the current theories in physics can explain everything. They just can't, but they do a good job. They do a good job, and there's always a few things to fine-tune or even turn over, depending on what our observations are. Called anomalies, and UFOs, the ones that they can't explain, the ones in the report, the 144 or whatever it is, that they can't explain are anomalies. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. I'm Shelley Schlender. My guest today is Carol Cleland, who is a specialist in the philosophy of the origins of life and an affiliate with SETI. SETI stands for... The Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. So you're interested in all of this. You've just been telling us how you don't get intimidated when somebody says, come on, I'm sure that there's extraterrestrial life, and I want you to go along with me and say UFO phenomena are proof that there's extraterrestrial life coming to visit us. But you also don't feel comfortable with somebody who says, I can prove that there just isn't anything to this but nonsense. Yeah, I agree. I think both types of explanations are inadequate for the same reason. That is to say, they both are unwilling to consider that these phenomena are truly anomalous. And they could be anomalies like the orbit of Mercury was for Newton's theory that indicate that there are limits to our understanding and we need a new theory. Or they could be anomalies that will be explained consistent with our current theories. We just don't know. Now, you happen to have read this new report that the Pentagon sent out. Yes. And, by the way, I suppose that we shouldn't be calling them UFOs. There's a new term for these things, UAPs. UAPs, doesn't matter. I think it's a chance to try to make them not sound like UFOs. Yeah, but that's just silly. You know, if you want to call them, uh, you know, unidentified aerial... Unidentified aerial phenomena. Uh, That's fine with me. Unidentified uh, flying objects. In that report from the Pentagon that just was released... Did you find anything that really intrigued you and you went, this is something where I don't think we have a good explanation? All of them. I can't explain them. They can't explain them. That's the whole point of the report. But I did find it really intriguing that these objects reportedly are being observed by a diverse set of sensors, which makes me think it's not an instrumental error. It's not just one sensor seeing it and another not. There are a large variety of sensors that are seeing an object there that's behaving They're all saying that it's behaving in these weird ways. I think it's very odd that it seems to stop in heavy winds, headwinds and tailwinds. I think it's odd that it will appear to move against tailwinds and headwinds. Um, Just a second, I'm hearing kind of a UFO noise. What do you think that is? Oh, that's just my ice machine. See, at this point, I'm going to put in some more scary music then. Because <laughs> because just hearing about these things, it makes me feel a little prickly and kind of like I should be up on the roof looking for UFOs. Well, I will be honest. I mean, they could be extraterrestrial technology. Uh, one of the worries I have about that is there are too many of them. That is to say, they reported since, I think it's only the last 20 years, and we've been seeing these things since the 1950s at least. Uh, that just now, in the, in the last 20 years, that they're looking, had had the, the instrumentation that can give you more detail on it. And that's why I think they're able to say, we truly can't explain these phenomena. I think in the past, the instrumentation wasn't good enough. There were multiple instruments looking at the same thing. 
I really doubt whether it's an instrumental mess-up because there are multiple instruments reporting this a phenomenon that's behaving the same way in the same place. So I think it's most likely some kind of external phenomena interacting with our instruments. Whether that external phenomenon is in fact extraterrestrial technology or whether it is represents something that, like a tornado following cars, is... Or, or if it's swamp gas. These are not swamp gas because they're not over swamps. My uncle knew the head of Project Blue Book. He was in the military and he taught economics and management at the Air Force Academy. And he used to kid me mercilessly. He said, come on, Uncle David, you really know the answer to this, right? And he'd look at me and he'd go, swamp gas. Until we do detailed case studies with true experts, not a bunch of, you know, the military is not going to get the best minds in science and engineering to study this. But how about those ragtag teams of people just observing and being geeks like Metabunk, where they say, let's look at this and be skeptical scientists and do calculations. And that really weird one that the Air Force pilots talked about, it was probably a weather balloon. They have actually investigated these phenomena for weather balloons, and in one case they found a weather balloon. I don't like these people who have one goal. I believe they're not extraterrestrial technology, therefore I'm going to come up with some story that explains why they're not extraterrestrial technology. That's not a scientific attitude. We've got an anomaly here, and it needs to be studied carefully, not just somebody going in and saying, I'm going to debunk it, and therefore... I'm going to figure out some way, mathematically or otherwise, in the absence of the detailed information. We don't really have the raw data. I don't think that they released that in this report. We need the raw data, and we need people to look at it with an open mind. And I mean literally, not assuming it's extraterrestrial technology and not assuming that it can be explained as some kind of mysterious, poorly understood natural phenomena. Both possibilities are truly real. SETI. Search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Yes. SETI doesn't have as much funding as it had some time ago, is that correct? No, it doesn't. And they don't want to touch this issue. They feel it's as a hot potato because they're worried about their funding. So I don't blame them. So SETI is more into using radio telescopes to see if there's signals that are coming through that seem not so random, but instead seeming to have a pattern. They're looking to see if... There's some signals from some galaxy far away that turn into Morse code when you look at it. Uh, well, alien code, not Morse. But I think SETI, as I said, is, is worried about the fallout of pursuing UFOs. And their big thing is radio telescopes. And so we have some dilemmas here, too, because one of the most respected groups for looking for extraterrestrial intelligence, SETI, says all of this stuff that the Pentagon is sending, we don't want to go close to it because there's too much to sort out here we have too much of our own credibility to be careful about. They're concerned about that, yes. And then you have the Pentagon that says some of this stuff may involve details that have to do with our secret instruments that we're developing or may have to do with what we've been spying on with somebody else. I think that's very unlikely. I'll tell you why. Since the 1950s, we've seen objects. We didn't have the instruments that could track them as well. But the descriptions, remember I collected as a kid in the 1960s, not the 50s, but I went back as far as the 50s, I collected in my scrapbook reports of UFOs. And these are similar to the reports that the Pentagon released, but they just didn't have the instruments on the planes to lock onto them and track them as well with multiple sensors. That they didn't have. 
But these are qualitatively very similar descriptions to what you got in the 50s. So I do really believe Russia and China, for example, would keep something like that secret and not use it. I doubt that very much. And if we had that technology, we'd see it. I don't think it's a known technology if it's a technology. Well, and so you're picturing that what we need to do is create a new agency. We need to create a group. It doesn't have to be an agency. It needs to be a civilian group. You can call them together from multiple universities around the world, the best people, and they're not going to be in the military, who aren't just concerned about, as the military is, threats to us, and demand the data unredacted. They've redacted a lot. They need to give us them the raw data, and they need to unredact everything, except it strikes me there must be very little what is important to, uh, you know, for security reasons. I suggest very little of this is important for security reasons. I don't know why they redacted so much. But the data needs to be turned over. And who knows whether it will show that there's some problem with instruments where somebody needed to get their screwdriver in there to get it a little bit tighter. I don't tighter. think that is very plausible because it's multiple sensors describing the same thing. And they're independent sensors. So if it was just one instrument, yes. I think that was the problem in the 50s and 60s because you didn't have multiple sensors. You had just radar. And now you have multiple sensors that can give you a lot of information, and they're saying they're seeing the same thing in the same place at the same time. That strikes me as it could be a sensor problem in the sense that there's a phenomenon we don't understand that's interacting with the sensors. But I don't think it's very plausible to think that uh, there's nothing there. Are you excited about the chance to have people really look at this? Yeah, but I don't think they're going to. I heard the Pentagon's going to continue to look at it. And so I think it should be taken out of the hands of the military because you'll never hear about it again. I mean, it's just kind of ridiculous that you can't turn this over to people who are really experts in aerial phenomena uh, rather than just people in the military. If after all of this study that you're hoping for, it was determined that it was something like a barometric pressure change that affected all of the instruments... That was too simple an anomaly, I can tell by the look on your face. But would you be a little sad if it wasn't pointing toward extraterrestrial intelligence doing this? No, because it would mean we discovered something about the world that we didn't know. The thing about anomalies is that they can lead to new scientific discoveries. I mean, consider the atmosphere. It's a very complex phenomenon. And it interacts with the oceans, and it interacts with the land. We don't understand all the complex contingencies that are involved in the atmosphere. Our theories are very general and kind of simple, and you have to tweak them with all of the data about these complex systems. So I think it could lightly be a problem with interaction between our theories and these complex systems. Could be a limitation of our theories. I don't think that the current theories we hold are the final word. Philosophers call it the pessimistic induction, and it goes like this. How many of the theories, scientific theories, that we hold now did we hold 150 years ago? Not many. How many of the theories we currently hold do you think we'll hold in 150 years? That's called the pessimistic induction. It seems like they're going to be new theories, and something will remain the same, just like a Newton's theory. Apples still fall, but you're going to have phenomena like the orbit of Mercury that were inexplicable in terms of the older theory that can be explained by the new theory. That's the way science works. And it's important that science be conservative. And this is what we see when people try so hard to debunk 
the idea that it's extraterrestrial technology that it fits into our current theories. And that's a good thing. It's good for science to be conservative because we don't want to, every time something weird comes up that we have trouble explaining, dump our theories. But there comes a point, and I think that the current Pentagon report has reached that point, where the phenomena are worth investigating with a much more open mind. That is to say, the possibility that we're looking at some kind of limitations to our understanding either of complex atmospheric phenomena or a limitation to the ways in which our general theories apply to such phenomena. Or maybe it's extraterrestrial vehicles. If it's extraterrestrial vehicles, I'm kind of shocked there's so many reports. That would make me think, by the way, that it's a natural phenomenon. I think they said 144 in 20 years. That's a lot, an awful lot of aliens. That's a lot of people visiting us. Yeah. And if there'd been that many visits from aliens, how come they haven't come and said hello? Well, maybe the Earth is under quarantine. That's my best explanation. But I do think there are an awful lot of them, which makes me lean toward the natural phenomena. Because consider how often do we visit these primitive tribes in the Amazon? We don't go down there that much. We don't want to disturb them. And we can also observe them remotely where they don't even know that we're observing them. So it's not at all clear to me that it's extraterrestrial technology. But you wonder. But I wonder. And I don't think it can be dismissed because I think the behavior of some of these phenomena is hard to explain in terms of it being natural phenomena. Well, thank you for joining us today. This is How on Earth, the KJNU Science Show. I'm Shelley Schlender, and my guest is Carol Cleland, who is with CU Boulder in the philosophy department. And many other things besides. I'm the director of the Center for the Study of Origins. I also study planetary science, mineral taxonomy. So origin of life is only a small part of what I study. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Joel Parker. This week's show was produced and engineered by yours truly, Shelley Schlender. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music from the album Overlapping Wavelengths, plus space sounds from NASA. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Shelley Schlender.